on CityCast Pittsburgh. The food scene here in Pittsburgh has been booming for quite a few years, but like a lot of businesses, the pandemic has been devastating to the restaurant industry too. Maybe some of your favorite spots are closed now, or maybe they've just lost their touch. But not to worry, Pittsburgh Magazine food editor and CityCast contributor, Hal B. Klein, is here with Megan Harris and myself to share his new list of the 25 best restaurants of 2022. It's Thursday, May 19th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. There are so many delicious restaurants in Pittsburgh that it makes it difficult, at least for me, to choose. So what boxes did these restaurants have to check to make the cut for your list? Oh, boy. So it's uh, it's a whole process, right? So it, this is... I have no doubt. In your brain, it has to be. <laughs> and it's always, you know, it's something the day that I turned this list in a couple weeks ago, I started a Google Doc for Best Restaurants 2023. And it's this thing that's always juggling and always kind of moving. And, you know, this year was a little bit different because I decided to roll it back to 25. So I think, you know, when you look at like old best restaurants list from a different era, I think they lean so heavily into fine dining and a certain style of dining. And I remember even when I started writing this list, um, I inherited a, a committee that had been choosing it for a long time. And it was like a real big stretch for them to kind of wrap their head around the idea that a place like Bitter Ends, which just closed, right? You know, they were like, but you can't even, there's there's eight seats and what do you do? And I'm like, but it's brilliant and it's amazing. And there's this connection to farms. <laughs> um, it's more innovative. That's fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's sort of my goal every year now is to kind of expand what you could call, what it's called a best, right? Because it's really the best at doing what you're doing, not the best at like what checks a, a, a sort of like, box of like, this must be a best sort of thing with tablecloths or whatever, which is not to like devalue a place like that. There are definitely a few places like that on the list also that (laughs) deserve to be there because in a good dining city, you've got a lot of options for all of these things. So what were your parameters then? Like what were the things that you were looking for in terms of, you know, to represent some of that diversity? So I think the first thing that the two very basic parameters are the restaurant had to have opened by the end of the 2021 calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like the hard, that's the only hard rule in there. And then basically the idea is like a restaurant needs a couple months to grow into itself. Um, and so something that opens with like a lot of, you know, a lot of energy in May, maybe isn't going to hold that energy through the year. Whereas if you can, if it's done the same thing in December and it's now May, you can tell that it's got that track record. Mm-hmm. The real basic qualification is like, are you going to get a delicious meal when you go there? Um, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the bottom line for all <laughs> yeah. of it, right? Yeah. You know, are you going to yeah. go somewhere and get a delicious meal? Because the last thing I want anyone to do is go to this list and go eat somewhere and then go, that was, that was fine, but I don't, you know, you know, I want people to come back to this list every time they're like, where should we go? And so that's like, that's the part of it. And then I start looking at building a list that really does kind of check a lot of different things as far as, you know, are you looking at international restaurants? Are you looking at restaurants that are owned by a diverse community of people that run the restaurants? Are these places friendly? Are there places that you're going to go and you're going to feel welcome? You know, I think for a couple of years- I feel like a distinctly Pittsburgh parameter too. Like, is it friendly enough? 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's not to say that, you know, it has to be like this old sort of thing where people are like bending over, you know, to like make you roll out red carpet <laughs> and stuff, but it's, you know, you feel taken care of, right. You know, if you want to go to a restaurant, you want to feel that you're being taken care of and hospitality is something that's really important when it does that. And, and I think also best restaurants really tend to work really well when the people that run them and the people that work there are like into the idea of hospitality and they get energy from it. Cause that really starts to transfer. And I think pretty much all the restaurants on the list, like that's part of what you're going to feel. Yeah. I look at design to a certain extent, especially for higher end restaurants. I think it makes more sense. I think restaurants that are operating on a budget, you know, some of them do actually have like nice knickknacks and like little things and small touches. There's always something you can do. Right. Um, but for me that, that takes a little bit of a backseat to the idea of great food and great hospitality. I can't tell you how many times, well, it's probably been like one or two times, but the grudges <laughs> that I hold against some of these restaurants. I remember going to this one place and I won't name them. Just Won't you? Won't I you? won't. <laughs> I won't because I'm not that type of person. But I ordered uh, under their burger section. It said that they had uh, a BLT. So I'm thinking it's a burger with like bacon on it. And I get it. And it is legitimately just a BLT. And I was like, that's not a burger. That's a sandwich. And uh, they did not provide me with uh, excellent customer service. They still made me pay for it. And um, so we'll get to we'll get to our gripes with the <laughs> list later. Yeah, those, um, those small things, like they make such a difference, though, right? And so, you know, and I think one of the things that I've noticed right now, because we're in this like weird period where, you know, a year ago, it was like we were as customers, like, whatever, like we're going to be as understanding as possible and we yeah. want to be as understanding as possible because we know that like the shit that you've gone through to like work in this restaurant and keep us fed and the uncertainty that you've gone through. And now we're in this position where it's like, we still should feel all of that, right? I don't think we should ever, ever, ever lose respect for anyone that works in a restaurant ever. And I think that should be one of the things that we all take from this moment if it wasn't something we already thought about, but also with prices being so high and the fact that we're going out probably less than we were. So it's like, you know, our expectations are also now that we want to go and have like a really good time. And so one of the things I thought about this year is there are some restaurants and restaurant groups that just have really good systems in place. Um, so the big burrito restaurant group, I think this year really mm -hmm. showed that in a lot of ways. Um, I noticed, especially at, 11 Contemporary Kitchen, which is one of those restaurants I think that's been around for so long and people are like, oh yeah, 11 or whatever, but it's still so good. It still holds up. It is up. good, um, yeah. And I was watching, they had a bunch of people there that had been in the Pittsburgh hospitality industry for, for a long time. And they were, you know, holding their own and doing it. But you could see that they were also training this whole new generation of workers. And it was really cool to see that. And it was cool to see people sort of like, in the background, making sure that this these this newer kind of younger staff was following through with things, and it was just a, it was such a pleasant dining experience, and it was also one of those experiences where like even if a little thing happened, it was like so quickly corrected, and it made you feel really good that you were like not only that like they as a restaurant noticed your experience, but also cared about making sure that the staff there was like learning on the job. Yeah, you know, it's one of those restaurants that I put on the list because it's so broadly appealing. Um, you know, pretty much anyone, if they want like a special occasion meal, or if you want to go sit in the bar and, and have just like a happy hour meal or a more casual meal, can go there, you can find something you like, there's nothing that's going to like really like kind of like push your boundaries. But yet all the side sets that they have on all the things. So like, there's always going to be like a salmon or whatever, right? But that's good. Like what's going to come with the salmon changes with the season. 
but also year to year. It's not like, oh, we're bringing back, you know, the same thing we did last year. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the list is shorter this year. Um, why did you decide to kind of siphon it down and and make it tougher on yourself to to complete this list? I think we're we're in this this period of refocusing right now. Um, so I think a few things happened. One, there were a couple of restaurants that likely would have been on the list or, you know, would have made a strong case for the list that aren't open anymore. You know, there are some other restaurants that just really seem to be going through a period of transition right now that have been on the list for a long time. And I think, you know, one of the things is that that I remind myself always is that no one and nothing is guaranteed a place on this list. That's so nihilist of you. I love it. Yeah. I mean, because you can't, you know, it's like part the, the, the part of my job, which is the most important part, is to like, like I've eaten at every single one of the places on the list within the last year. And I think, and also like, I also just want to say like, to work for a publication like Pittsburgh Magazine that still supports this kind of work um, is really important. And it's really amazing. And I do actually want to give thanks to like the publishers of the magazine that- Yeah, it's a me. rare and unique treat. Um, and yeah. also a treat for all of us who get to follow you on Instagram and look at all the food you post all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that recognize the importance that like these lists don't get made in an, in an authentic way unless you're actually doing the work and you're doing the work throughout the year. And to have a, a publication that actually supports this work being done is, is really important. And so, and it, and it allows me the space to really take this on as like a big project over the course of the year. Because I think what happens otherwise is you can just say, oh, well, that place has always been great. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, I think you can look at other restaurants that have made it all the time, but then you can look at a place like Bar Marco, which is celebrating, you know, celebrating its 10th year this year that a couple of years ago, I dropped Bar Marco because they were in the middle of this transition period and it just wasn't working and it just wasn't weird you know it just it had this weird moment but it like went through that and now it's back and now bar marco's you know back in one of those places that it's like when people come to pittsburgh i'm like go here you, you were saying that restaurants surviving the pandemic obviously has been a challenge but also just the the normal um trajectory i guess kind of that restaurants can go through they don't always survive that first year anyways what kind of help has there been out there to keep you know some of our favorite places afloat uh, not much anymore. <laughs> really? That's the hard thing. You know, I think um, when you look back at the earlier part of the pandemic, so to like circle back to Big Burrito Restaurant Group, you know, mm -hmm. they got a huge PPP loan. I think they got $10 million. And, you know, and that's, uh, I think, something that is a subject of like some controversy to some people. You know, they were able to open up a new pizza place in Hickory Square and keep their restaurants going. But I also think that like, no, it's no coincidence that their systems are in a stronger place because they had stronger systems to begin with to be able to like get that money right. Yeah, um, yeah, you really had a had to have like one heck of a financial system and HR system in place to be able to apply for those loans. Um, yeah. They were so competitive to start, you know. And if you were a small mom and pop, that's not a back end system that you had ready to go. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of restaurants that really struggled with being able to do that, or you know, especially places that didn't not even just that the system was complicated, but it's like, where do you find the time? You know, True, if it's, yeah. if it's you and three other people and you're working 14 hours a day to keep the restaurants open. So I think, you know, I mean, it's a whole other story and it's something that we should look back on in like a year or two about like what the fallout was and why and how all these things happened. Um, but I definitely did affect the restaurants and it's something that does have some, you know, I think this probably also is why the list is 25 is because of, you know, I think places are still kind of trying to reemerge from it and find a new way to move forward. 
Well, so let's get to the restaurants themselves. I know we've mentioned a couple examples. Um, There's some familiar names on the list for CityCast Pittsburgh, but what are maybe some new places that uh, Morgan and I haven't been to or you haven't told us to go to just yet? Take (laughs) notes. So I think there are a few. I mean, Sakura, like I said, is one of the restaurants. They're actually going to close for the next couple of weeks to do a full remodel. so too bad on the timing of the list, because I think it's one of those places that everyone should go. But they're actually going to lean much more into the dumplings and the noodles, which I'm very, very happy to hear. Um, and I think I saw on Instagram, they're going to reopen in early June. Um, That's the spot in Squirrel Hill, right? Yeah. And I wrote about this in the in the blurb, you know, like it's got a Japanese name and it's got a sushi bar and all this stuff. So it takes a little bit more work. And it's one of those places that I've really enjoyed seeing evolve into really what it is and what it should be. And I think the next steps for that are coming soon. Um, Lady Bird's Luncheonette, which is, I think, the most uh, far afield from downtown. It's out in Beaver. It's so good. I made that like a Sunday drive one day and it was worth every every second spent to get there and get a sandwich. The like everything is enormous. It's like on a totally different scale. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's what I love about it too is like all these things are enormous, but they're also made with really high quality ingredients. I think normally you see these like massive portion things and it's like made with kind of crap. And what I respect about them is like, they're getting like pretty much everything is like locally sourced from like good farms. They have good relationships with like all their producers. And then they're turning it into these like magic giant, like delicious things that are both like savory and sweet. There's a lot of places that didn't make the cut this year on the list. Is that just, you know, you're, you've been saying kind of that's part of the, the cycle of restaurants. Yeah. You know, they aren't always hits. But what are some of the places that you feel like have missed out and are, are kind of missing the mark? I mean, the most heartbreaking one was Butter Joint for me personally, just because it's like that's a Butter Joint and, and Legume before that. Legume as a restaurant was such a trailblazing restaurant. I mean they were really at the forefront of like of so much of sustainable food in Pittsburgh and always experimenting and always pushing forward. And, you know, that's a place that where like the, the dining room got a refurbish. Um, mm-hmm. So they combined legume and butter joint into like one entity called butter joint. And that's right there on what North Craig in Oakland. Yeah. And okay. the bar is still amazing. And the dining room has got a refresh and like the service there is like really, truly fantastic. But they're just like in, in a moment where they're just trying to figure out what the identity of the kitchen is. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, it comes back down to like, is this going to be utterly delicious? And I had a couple of meals there that I was like, and I and that was, you know, sometimes you go to a place and you're like, mm, this missed the mark. It's not going to do it. And that was a place where I ended up going back three different times because I was like, huh, like what's is this? Was that just a weird night? I don't think they've quite figured out how to combine the kind of finer dining, more more chef-driven approach and ingredient-driven approach of legume with the much more casual bar side of butter joint yet. And so it, it just created like a little bit of confusion. The one that cracked me up the most uh, that that's missing from the list is gaucho, not because it's missing, but because of your review from a couple of weeks ago. It is so kind, but also so honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when you approach, like when you approach criticism, I think approaching it from a, from a place of like being constructive and being solutions based. How's giving the criticism sandwich. Yeah. And having, you know, having a little <laughs> bit of empathy, but also being honest. Right. And, you know, cause it's like, again, it's like, you don't want to like, you know, shit all over the people that are like working hard and doing stuff, but as a right. consumer service, you also 
want to tell people like, hey, these are, you know, if you're going to go get the flank steak, but also like there might be other places to go right now. So Morgan, what about you as you look at this list? What are your favorite restaurants? There's a lot of places on here that I still very much so need to venture out to. I am a true Pittsburgher through and through. So like if I don't know where these places are, if I have to go through a tunnel to get to them, um, I feel like I've entered into a different state, a different country. Um, <laughs> and so therefore, there's a few Such places. A weedy. <laughs> I know we talked about Oak Hill Post like last week and um, I really should have gone. But uh, some of my favorites, obviously, Taiwanese Bistro Cafe 33 is just like... You've been I've, talking about that place as long as I've known you. Uh, because you know what? I I I like found them. They've been a, a, around longer than this, but I think I really found them during the pandemic. And so I don't know, maybe it's like a traumatic thing where I'm just like, that is my comfort <laughs> You're bonded food. now. <laughs> that is, it's amazing. The, the best dumplings. And, um, and Salim's. I love Salim's. Oh, gosh, they're so reliable, so delicious always. Um, yeah. And so many options, too. And so much food. Like, it's, you know, that's food that I have for, like, two days. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. They're on the cover of the June issue of Pittsburgh Magazine. Oh, my they're the, cover, they're the cover restaurant this year. What about, yeah, yeah, what about you, Megan? Um, I would say I I really love uh, Senti. They're a pandemic find for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very have a very distinct style, but I think it fits where I am in life right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other one is Stump Pig, which I just stumbled into at various events. I think they had the food truck out at a park one day and at a brewery another. And gosh, like everything's just so delicious and really like intensely flavorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, how what's next? What do you what, what's what's your next uh, project here? Um, I wrote a story about uh, butcher shops in Pittsburgh. It was so charming. I love that one. We'll link to it. Uh, thanks. Yeah, we're going to move that one to print too. And I'm going to add another one um, that I just went to yesterday. And then uh, I've got some reviews coming up. And then I'm going to start working in a couple weeks on a feature uh, about technology and agriculture in, P- in Pittsburgh. Well, thank you, Hal. Uh, we'll have links to Hal B. Klein's Best Restaurants in Pittsburgh from Pittsburgh Magazine. Thank you, as always, for sharing your wisdom with us. Yeah, and how happy belated birthday. Hey, thanks. Now an update on the elections this week. Conspiracy theorist Doug Mastriano won the Republican nomination for governor. He organized a trip last year to the Capitol riots and was one of the people endorsed by former President Donald Trump. Mastriano will run against Democrat Josh Shapiro, who was back to fundraising within minutes of officially winning the primary. The GOP's U.S. Senate race is still too close to call. Right now, Dr. Mehmet Oz is just barely ahead of David McCormick. Those votes are still being counted and by law now have to be recounted. But Democrat John Fetterman is a sure thing, despite suffering a small stroke and undergoing a minor heart procedure right before the election. We'll keep you posted about the race in the newsletter and on social. And Summerlee inshout a win over Steve Irwin in the new 12th Congressional District. Lee will run against Republican Mike Doyle. Please note that that's not Democrat Mike Doyle, who's been the incumbent in that district for years. And in the new 17th District, Democrat Chris Deluzio will face Republican Jeremy Schaefer in the general election. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our team this week includes Megan Harris, Francesca DeBecco, Natalie Rivera, and me, Morgan Moody. Music is, of course, by Benji. And if you like what we're doing here, let people know. Rate the show, leave us a review, and of course, subscribe to our morning newsletter. It's fresh every day at 6 a.m. We'll be back on Tuesday with more news from around the city. See you then. I don't think I've ever seen Dr. Oz's arms. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Natalie, I want that to be the postscript. (laughs) Your voice is now the postscript. Okay. (laughs)